This episode of Cut the Crap Podcast is brought to you by Sierra Sil Health. Now, Sierra Sil Health is a company with a vision to help one million or more people live healthier, more active lives. One way they're accomplishing that is with Joint Formula 14. Now, Sierra Sil is the active ingredient in Joint Formula 14, and it helps support cartilage and joint function associated with exercise and movement. And it supports gentle detoxification and removal of harmful bacteria and viruses, as well as heavy metals, pesticides, and other common chemical impurities. So you guys, I am very wary of any type of supplement, only because when I was putting myself through college, I worked at GNC. So I know there's a lot of crap out there. And so I'm always very careful of not only what I put into my body, but what I recommend to family and friends. So when I was having some joint pain in my knees, because I do a lot of high intensity interval training through hill training and different sparring sessions. So I have this persistent pain in my knees and I was trying a number of different um, products here and there, but nothing was really working. So I talked to some people at the health store and they told me about Sierra Sil. So I went online, looked at some clinical trials, which by the way, they all post on their website, which I really appreciated. So I gave it a try, and after two to three weeks, I felt very little pain in my knees, almost gone completely after two to three weeks. I started using it for a few more months. My pain went away completely. Now, I'm very wary, again, of making such grandiose claims, but it really worked for me. And because it worked for me, I made the suggestion, the recommendation to my mom and my dad and my sisters who also feel joint pain, especially my dad and his knees and his shoulder. So after four weeks, my dad, who had really bad pain in his knees, had no pain at all. So to me, I looked at that and I said, man, I'm willing to stand behind this product 100%. And so I contacted the CEO of the company, Michael Bentley, told him our story. And he says, Ryan, you know, your stories like this, we hear these all the time, which is why we do what we do. So I love this product. I love the company. I love the people in the company. So I'm honored to bring this forward to you guys. So I want you to take the Sierra Silt 14-day challenge today and see what a difference these anti-inflammatory minerals can do for your pain. They are so confident in their product that they're willing to offer a full refund if you're not entirely satisfied. So go to sierrasilt.com and order your joint formula today. That's Sierra Silt, S-I-E-R-R-A, SIL.com. That's SierraSil.com. Filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Calagiri. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast with yours truly, where I make sure every single week you don't even have to pick up a business book because I'm doing all the reading for you. I'm condensing all the main points down. I'm converting them all to golden nuggets and I'm bringing them to you week after week to save you time, save you money, and to make you smarter. It's just that easy. So thanks so much to all my long-term listeners. And if you're a new listener of Cut the Crap Podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you too become a long-term subscriber and that you find continuous value in listening week after week. 
want to remind you as well, too, to continue getting value out of the podcast. Go online to cutthecrappodcast.com and sign up for the weekly mind maps. They're compliments to the actual podcast episode itself. So every single week you get the podcast episode. If you sign up online, you also get a mind map or a condensed summary of the golden nuggets. That way you have something physical, something you can print up, you can make notes on, something you can reference. I know myself, I like to have physical things with me, physical copies, whether it's the book or a summary, whatever it is. I like that, so I want to make sure that you have access to things that I like as well, too. So definitely go to cutthecrappodcast.com on the main page. Just click the button that says sign up for the mind maps for the summaries, and you'll get those in your inbox every single week. All right, what book are we cracking into this week? This week on Cut the Crap Podcast, the featured book is The Lean Startup. How today's entrepreneurs use continuous innovation to create radically successful businesses. This book aims to change the way that companies are built and how new products, services, and offers are launched. So this is a very important book because so many companies, they face a challenge of trying to reinvent themselves and they run into a lot of trouble when they do that because it's not easy. It's not easy. It's really difficult to reinvent yourself by coming up with a new product, a new service, or a new offer and bringing that to market. Oftentimes, companies, they invest too much money in different areas that they think are the right areas, but in the end, what they do is they go too far in that specific area, and it leads them down a path to disappointment, and disappointment in the form of no demand, a lot of debt, confusion on how to get the people, the prospects in your pipeline to use your product, service, and offer, and so on. It's, it's a really scary place to be. And a lot of companies are there right now. And this is no laughing matter. This is something that's very serious because a lot of companies go under because they don't know how to effectively create a brand new product, service, or offer. Oftentimes, companies will spend years developing something. And that's just wrong. It's just wrong. One company in particular, a software company that I worked with many years ago on a PR initiative, they got beat up in the marketplace because the economy changed Budgets weren't as friendly as they once were. Customers changed in terms of their buying behaviors. And so because of all those things, hitting them at one time, they were forced to try and look in a new area to find revenue. So what they decided to do was invest in a new product and they partnered with a firm that was an expert in that domain. So this was a good plan for them. They figured, hey, you know what? We don't know the domain as well as this company does. We know software. We know how to build software. So why don't we partner up? By partnering up, you know, we can bring the software, they bring the industry experience. Man, this is going to be one hell of a great partnership. Well, two years after they got started and millions of dollars later, they went to market with a significant whimper. Their new software solution was a complete and total bust because the market didn't want it. And still today, they're trying their best to make it work. But it's an uphill climb with a weighted vest on in knee-deep mud with the weight of the world holding them back as they trudge uphill. Doesn't sound very fun, does it? It's not fun. And I feel terrible for the people in that company. feel terrible for them. feel awful for the CEO. And while some people might say, hey, you know what? It's their incompetence that led them there. You know what? Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know, how can I screw things up? People make mistakes, but you also hope that they find solutions and they find ways around those mistakes. I mean, because the business is suffering, their personal lives are suffering. I mean, how can these people go to work every single day and relax in the evening and relax on the weekend knowing that their company is struggling? Their source of revenue 
how they're getting paid is suffering and dying. It's a terrible place to be. So my objective with today's episode is to encourage you to assimilate a number of these lessons into your approach to developing new products, new services, and new offers so that you do it in a more efficient, cost-effective manner. Because there's better ways to bring new products, new services, new offers to market, developing them, but a lot of times people just don't know. They don't know. So the context that I'm reading this book under is that I don't want you to make the same expensive mistakes that this company made. Every company needs to innovate and create new products, new services, and new offers to continually add value to their marketplace, redefine the value they bring to their customers, and stay ahead of their competition. So I read this book to get some insight into how to bring innovation in the form of a new product, service, or offer to market faster and with greater efficiency and adherence to a process. So I really love this book and completely support this book because I have a lot of experience in bringing new products, new services, new offers to market, and I followed a system to do so. And a lot of the elements from that system that I know worked because I went through it firsthand are in this book. So the golden nuggets that I'm sharing with you today, please take them very seriously as you bring a new product, service, or, or, or offer to market because it's going to ensure that you do it way smarter than a lot of people who just don't know these golden nuggets. All right, I'm excited to break in this one, so let's crack right into it. Golden nugget number one. The purpose of a startup or new product, service, or offer is to acquire customers and earn money by serving them. It doesn't matter how much money you put behind a marketing strategy. It wouldn't matter if you got massive press coverage, and it doesn't matter how many funders you have backing your idea. If you want your company to be more than just a short-term project, if you want this new product, this new service, this new offer to be more than just a short-term project, you need to find a way to acquire customers and make money by supplying them with some sort of value that they're willing to pay for. The one and only goal that you should have in your mind is to find what the author, Eric Ries, calls a sustainable business model. In other words, finding what the market wants and turning their interest into a constant revenue stream. This is the main responsibility of a startup or a company bringing something new to market. The faster that you find a sustainable business model, the higher your likelihood that you'll succeed. So the question is, how do you find a sustainable business model that supports the growth of your business? The answer, validated learning. In other words, learning through a scientific approach. You want to close the gap between believing and knowing as fast as you possibly can to prevent yourself from relying on a leap of faith to back your new product, service, or offer. Now, there are three types of validated learnings that you need to make. First, begin the process of validated learning by coming up with a high-level hypothesis that states a particular product, service, or offer will be successful in a particular market. So for example, a high-level hypothesis that you could make could be U.S. customers will be willing to purchase shoes online. Once you make this hypothesis, you have to test it. And only when customers validate your hypothesis can you be confident in moving forward with finding your sustainable business model. Now, when you make that hypothesis and test it, don't be like so many other companies and use questionnaires or surveys. Instead, 
Talk to real customers in a realistic environment where you can offer them your product, service, or offer and see how they respond. Second, develop a value hypothesis. Now, your value hypothesis assumes that a product, service, or offer will deliver value to customers or your early adopters who will readily embrace it. And third, develop a growth hypothesis. Your growth hypothesis explains that your product, service, or offer will appeal to a larger market beyond just your early adopters. So now let's look at two companies to help crystallize these different forms of hypothesis. First one, let's take Zappos for example. Now Zappos, for anyone that doesn't know, is an online shoe retailer. They started with a simple hypothesis that people would buy shoes online. So to test this idea and validate their hypothesis, they went around and took pictures of shoes in shoe stores and put those pictures up on a fake web shop. Now, when people actually tried to go online and buy those shoes, what that did was it validated Zappos' hypothesis. And so this process they used, it was the foundation that grew one of the most successful business models in the last decade. And it all started with validating their hypothesis. So now let's look at Facebook because Facebook validated both the value hypothesis and the growth hypothesis very early on when they only had a few users. Now those few users that they first had, those were their early adopters and they were registered under the Facebook banner and they were incredibly active because they logged in multiple times a day. And what this told Facebook executive, well, Mark Zuckerberg specifically, was that they were engaged in this. And that there was value there. And that with these early adopters, they loved the technology. So it validated their value hypothesis very clearly. There was value here and people loved it. The early adopters loved it. So now take it a step further. Your growth hypothesis. Will people adopt this outside of our early adopters? Well, let's find out. Facebook. They had a fantastic market penetration rate because the colleges that they went to where Facebook was introduced, three quarters of all the students signed up within one month and all without the company having to spend a dollar on marketing. This was validation of their growth hypothesis in that the company could grow outside of their early adopter base. Now, by validating both the value hypothesis and the growth hypothesis, what this did was it closed the gap between believing and knowing, which then set the stage for Facebook's amazing, amazing growth. So your big takeaway here, whenever you're bringing something to market, develop your three types of hypothesis. First, your high-level hypothesis. Next, your value hypothesis. And third, your growth hypothesis. You need to develop all three of those before you take any step further in the development of your innovation. Golden nugget number two, use an MVP to test your idea in the market. So as we've already learned, validating your hypothesis is incredibly important. But you might be wondering, how can I validate this? Do I have to create a product, service, or offer in its entirety before I bring it to market? The answer to that is no. This is where an MVP comes in, or minimal viable product. The quickest and easiest way to get real-world customer feedback on your idea is to create an MVP. 
Your MVP should be as simple as possible and contain only what is needed to give the customer a realistic experience on how your product, service, or offer is going to work. Your objective is to build something simple enough that your market can provide feedback on. So the example I used earlier on was Zappos. What they did there with their taking pictures of shoes in a shoe shop and posting them online and then seeing people you know, interact and try to buy those shoes, that's what they call a smoke test where you pretend to sell a fake product. That's what Zappos did and it worked very well to help them validate their hypothesis. Now let's take Dropbox for example. Dropbox for anyone who doesn't know is an online cloud storage company. Now, the founders of Dropbox, they knew that developing their idea would be very expensive and it would take a lot of time. So they chose a very simple and creative way to validate their hypothesis that there was demand for this product. They created a video presenting their idea. Now, the founders made a hypothesis that the market would want their product. And their hypothesis was validated with this MVP because in one night, 75,000 people had signed up to their waiting list. This was enough of a validation for them to begin developing their product. Now, the idea of an MVP is so important, I cannot stress it enough. You have to do whatever you can to get just the smallest piece of your product, service, or offer out there to the marketplace so that people can get their heads around it and offer you feedback. This is where a website like Kickstarter comes in and can be very useful. If you have a new idea for a new product, service, or offer, or whatever it is, and you can offer it through Kickstarter, if the context is right and it fits on Kickstarter, then put it up there. Get some feedback from people. Is this something that people want? If you put it up on Kickstarter and no one views it, no one funds it, no one asks questions about it, then guess what? Maybe there's nothing compelling or competitive there that people really want. Now, for a lot of you listening, I know that Kickstarter isn't the right place for you because perhaps you're in services and the types of offers you're bringing to market are very specific. In your case, what I would do and what I have done with a lot of my service-based companies that I've worked with is develop a user base, a user base of 30, 40, 50 people that you can gather feedback from. Now, those people could be a combination of customers, partners, uh, prospective customers, industry experts, people who are students in the area as well too, whoever it is, put together a base of people Sort of a forum where you can go to them with your new idea and gather feedback from them. Now, this isn't anything new for anybody who has seen or been a part of any type of taste test or any type of panel where you've seen people offer you different types of drinks like Coke or Pepsi, for example, and which one tastes better or, you know, we're going to offer a new type of Coca-Cola. Which one do you think tastes better? Taste A, B, and C and vote. It's the exact same thing you're doing here. So don't overcomplicate it. It's very simple. What we're doing here is we're just trying to create something small enough to gather feedback on. It doesn't even have to have any type of development being put into it. Just develop a template. Could be a presentation. Could be a video. Whatever it is, try to get some feedback very early on to validate your hypothesis. And by putting together a minimal viable product, and while it's product, this also is the exact same for service or a service-based offering. It doesn't matter. So don't try to rule it out by saying, ah, it's only for products. It has nothing to do with services. Not at all. Not at all. This has complete applicability to services as well too. Develop your MVP or MVS, whatever you want to call it. 
develop that and bring that forward to your user base and start gathering feedback from them. They'll tell you right away if it's something that's going to be hot or not, if it's something they're going to buy or if it's something they're not going to buy. My one caution to you would be don't put people in that user group that are yes men or yes women. Don't put people in there that are your friends that are afraid to offend you. Put people in there who are brutally honest because it's within that brutal honesty that you'll find great insight to build on top of your MVP and then perhaps come to them a second time with something that's better, stronger, faster, whatever it is. Don't include people who are just going to agree with you or include people that are friends just because they might be too gentle with you. It might be too nice with you. And this honestly isn't the time for people being nice with you. You want honest feedback and you want it fast. So your takeaway here, if you're bringing a new product, service, or offer to market, develop an MVP. Your MVP doesn't have to be the final product. Don't put too much time and effort into it. It could be a video, a presentation, whatever it is. Learn from some of the people who have done this before, like Dropbox or Zappos. Don't put too much effort into it. Remember, minimal viable product. Golden nugget number three. Use the BML approach early and often. So one of the biggest lessons that I've learned about developing new products, services, and offers is that the innovation has very little to do with the initial idea that we get started with in the very beginning. The innovation, the true value of the innovation comes out as we learn more about our innovation. This is where BML is so important. Now BML stands for Build, Measure, and Learn. So as you drive forward in your search to discover if what you have is something the market will value, learning is a critical element in moving forward with absolute confidence. BML, build, measure, learn. Build is about developing your MVP. This is where you want to develop your prototype or your smoke test and then take this innovation to market to get customer feedback so that you can measure the level of interest. So M, measurement. Measurement is obviously about collecting information and metrics based on your findings with customers. Now a caveat here is that you really want to make sure that you're not getting caught up in vanity metrics or metrics that are flattering but useless and can be even harmful to progress. For example, Facebook fans, Twitter or LinkedIn followers, media attention, milestones hit. These are metrics that don't pay the bills. So you shouldn't spend too much time, energy, and money focusing on them. The right metrics, those metrics, those will tell you if you're on the way towards your long-term goal of finding a sustainable business model. The right metrics are often customer-centric like number of paying customers, average session length per customer, number of referrals generated, etc. Now each company... You have to find your own metrics to analyze to give you direction and to support a realistic view of the progress you're making. Now, this is the most important part about developing any new product, service, or offer because it deepens your understanding of the idea and gives you an incredibly valuable insight into how you can build that idea to bring more value to the market. So take, for example, um, let's just use this scenario. You have an idea. Great. I, I, you think this idea has merit. You think the marketplace wants this. Perfect. BML. First, build your MVP. Build something. An, an MVP, a minimal viable product you can take to market and get feedback on. Put together your 50, you know, 40, 30, 50, whatever it is, your user base, and bring this MVP to them. Now, M, measure. 
go ahead and measure their responses, both quantitative and qualitative. Don't forget to talk to them afterwards. Get real opinions and take down all the information you possibly can. After you get all that information, that's where the learning happens. BML, L, learning. That's where you sit down with your team and you analyze all the research. and You say, okay, well, we have a lot of positives here. They're saying they love these things, so maybe we'll keep these in. People are saying they don't find value here, so we'll take these things out. Great. Now scrap that first um, uh, MVP and build a second MVP and bring that back to your, you know, your user base, your 50, 40, 30 people, whoever it is, bring it back to them and then gather more feedback. The idea essentially is to continue the BML cycle until you find a sustainable business model and you need to be fast about it. Each BML cycle shouldn't take you months to do. Each BML cycle should take you a week at most. And the more cycles you go through, the stronger your new idea will be. And you might sit there and kind of roll your eyes and say, come on, man, a week? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. A week is all you need. I had teams working on their BML, on their process, every single week. And all they did was put in two to five hours every single week, interviewing customers, going in and learning more, finding more research, and bringing more statistics back to the team. They brought it back to the team and said, guys, this is what we found. We looked at the data. We made changes to the actual idea itself, and then we brought it back to them. It doesn't take that much time. The problem today is that we overthink things. We get way too confusing and we slow things down. And this is a killer of motivation. It's a killer of businesses. It's a killer of new product development because we just overanalyze things. Yes, you're supposed to analyze metrics. I understand that. Absolutely, it's what it's about. But don't take too long in doing it. Set a weekly rhythm for yourself to go ahead, get feedback, and then take those ideas back to yourself and change your MVP and then bring that back to the marketplace. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, send me an email, ryan.calajuri at me.com. Engage with me on LinkedIn. You can hit me up on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is. Just get in touch with me and let me know if this doesn't make sense. and I'll help lead you through it as well too. Um, it's a very simple process, an incredibly valuable process. The BML process will, it's a game changer. It really is. Before I understood BML, I thought that all innovation was just about the actual idea. Later, when I went through the BML, I found that once you go through this, actual innovation happens after you do your learning. And every single time you take new lessons away, you learn something new. It all becomes cumulative. You add those learnings on top of that original idea, which in all actuality is pretty crappy once you look at what you started with and what you end with at the end of your BML cycles. It's absolutely incredible. So your takeaway here is, again, BML, build your MVP, put together a user base of about 50 people, bring your MVP to them, measure their responses, take their responses back, learn from them, incorporate new changes into your next MVP, and then redo that cycle again and again and again until you find something here that they're just crazy about and you're crazy about and you believe the marketplace is crazy about. And at that point in time, what do we do? We go back up to the first golden nugget. We test our hypothesis, our generic hypothesis, our value hypothesis, and our growth hypothesis. You see how it's all coming together here? This product development thing that everyone's so confused about, yes, it's hard, but when you start working at it with a systems approach like doing this, all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier, doesn't it? Golden nugget number four. What do you do if your hypothesis isn't validated? 
Very simply, you pivot. So if you go through all of the process and you find out that guess what? Our, our, our innovation, our idea here, our product, our service, our offer, it's just not being validated by our marketplace. What do you do? Well, this is where a lot of organizations go wrong because they believe that with enough persistence, you know, enough tenacity, you know what? One day we'll be successful. It's completely ridiculous to think that. And it goes against the facts, the facts, which often points back to the reality that the marketplace doesn't want what you have to offer. Sometimes it's just the greatest piece of information for you to take because it's going to save you millions of dollars of investment and a lot of pain later on down the road if you continue to move in that direction. Like that company I mentioned at the very beginning, if they had pivoted and realized that, hey, guess what? Our hypothesis, it wasn't validated. If they decided to just cut bait at that point, fail fast, fail cheap, they would not be in the rough position they're in today. It's so important for you to confront reality on a regular basis on the current situation you're in and be brutally honest about the facts. And one thing I do is I recommend people to look at this on a regular basis. And by doing this, I'm going to encourage you, strongly encourage you to hold a pivot meeting every single week as part of your BML cycle. As you conduct your BML and you push for a more competitive, compelling stance on your product, service, or offer, pivots are going to happen. You're going to learn more and you're going to find out, hey, wow, it's not the way that we originally thought of it. What do we do? Well, in my mind, you have four different options. Number one, you quit. You stop. There's nothing wrong with quitting. Fail fast, fail cheap. If you find out that the marketplace completely hates your idea, you've brought them back multiple MVPs and they still don't like it, cut bait before you invest any type of money. That, to me, is success. Failure is success, especially when creating a new product, service, or offer, and you find out, hey, the marketplace doesn't want it. Great. You saved yourself a hell of a lot of time and money. That's success. Failure is success. That's one. Two, you redefine the core value of your product, service, or offer. So you change up the value. You change up the offer itself, and that's oftentimes what happens is, you know what? People don't like this. They don't like A, B, and C, but they like D, E, and F. Perfect. Well, then let's get rid of A, B, and C, focus on D, E, and F, and maybe bring some more value. Perfect. Okay. That's two. Three, choosing to pursue a different customer segment. This is a very popular one. Some of the world's most greatest accidental innovations like the microwave or uh, sticky notes or the, um, the pacemaker, for example. All of these things, these innovations, they were developed for a different purpose. But because they didn't work for this customer segment, they pivoted and all of a sudden they changed their customer segment and now they had something that was of value. And finally, number four, changing your main sales channel. Now, there's a multitude of different sales channels that you can have. You can have online, you can have through partner, you can have direct from your company. Changing your sales channel will have a dramatic impact on the level of success that you have. Now, an example of this that I use all the time is with an information security company that I worked with many years ago. Now, this company, they developed an innovation. They developed it quite intelligently, but their sales channel was wrong. They were selling it direct. Eventually, they realized, you know what? This isn't working. We're not achieving the numbers we want. We have to pivot or we have to kill this. So what they did was they pivoted by going instead of direct, they went through partnership. And so they enabled their partners with all the right education, with all the right resources to sell this to the exact same marketplace they were in. But they just had more capacity to do so. They had more trust. They had more credibility with this marketplace. And so by going through the partner model, all of a sudden now sales started to increase. All of a sudden people were more, more interested in this product. They had more uptake. And as a result, this product was more successful for them.
Okay, so changing your main sales channel can also be a big differentiating factor for you. Now, the key takeaway here is that you shouldn't be afraid to pivot. Okay, if the facts are telling you something that you don't want to hear, chances are you have to hear that. Don't forget the four pivots. Okay, failure. So stop it. Cut bait. Fail fast. Fail cheap. That's one pivot. Two, redefining the core value of your product and service. Three, choosing to pursue a different customer segment. And four, changing your main sales channel. If you're confronted with the reality that maybe we have to change things up, look at those four alternatives. Those are usually the top four that you need to look at. Golden nugget number five, choose your engine for growth. A fundamental part of any business is their growth engine that ensures the company maintains a consistent level of growth. So what growth engines do you have at your disposal to use to grow your company? Well, there are three types of growth engines that you can leverage. Number one, the sticky engine. The sticky engine works by retaining existing customers that already fuel the bottom line of the organization and investing more in new features or great service to get them using your product, service, or offer a lot more frequently. The second growth engine, the viral engine. Now, the viral engine works by getting your existing customer base to fuel new growth by turning them into your best marketers. So how can you get your customers to tell their story about using your product, service, or offer without you having to pump money into marketing? One of the most famous examples here is when Hotmail used the automatic signature at the end of every single one of the emails that you would send out. They included a PS, get your free email with Hotmail. And they would have a link there. You click Hotmail and all of a sudden it takes you to a sign-up form where you can sign up for your own Hotmail address. This went down as one of the world's most successful viral engines because it helped grow Hotmail to the extent that it did. And finally, the paid engine. Now, the paid engine works by investing money into marketing. And marketing can be a huge time and money suck. It can be a complete pit. The one thing that you have to do to be successful with marketing is you have to be very specific on who you're talking to, who's your customer. You have to frame the customer's problem in a very specific sense. So what's the problem the customer's having? Next, you have to make a promise. What's the promise that you're going to make to solve the problem? And finally, because your promise is very big, you know, I want you to make a big promise, a promise that's going to wow them, that's going to excite them. This is your USP or your value proposition, whatever it is. Next, you have to prove that you can back up the promise, okay? So those are the four things that you really need to do when you're focusing on marketing because there's a lot of things you can do in marketing. There's a lot of different messages you can have, but you want your marketing MBA in a nutshell here? Focus on those four things. One customer. What's the customer? What's the problem the customer's having? What's the promise to solve the problem to satisfy the customer? And what's the proof? to back up the promise that you'll solve the problem which satisfies the customer. Customer, problem, promise, proof. If you're doing any type of marketing, make sure you put it through that very important filter. And that'll give you a lot of focus on moving forward with a very specific message. Now the question is, which one of these do you invest in? Well, you can invest in either of these engines or all of them at once. It really doesn't matter. My recommendation for you though, is to pick one and go deep in that area to focus your efforts and build momentum. I'm a big fan of going a mile deep and an inch wide, not a mile wide and an inch deep. That's just my philosophy on things. My philosophy on business, my philosophy on life. 
Go deep in a particular area. Give it your absolute focus. One of my favorites, obviously, is the paid engine with marketing because marketing is something that I love to do. We focus on marketing on this podcast, and there's just a multitude of different things you can do in that area. However, if it doesn't work for your business, if you have a big customer base already, then a sticky engine works best. If your product has some sort of viral element into it or if you have an idea that can really engage the viral engine, then by all means, do that as well too. But maybe choose one and start to explore and dig deep in those areas instead. All right, and there we have it. That's The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. How today's entrepreneurs use continuous innovation to create radically successful businesses. Now, I'm a huge fan of this book, obviously, because this is a book that applies to everybody. Absolutely everybody. No one company is immune to innovation. There are changes happening in the marketplace at large. There's changes happening with your competitors. There's changes happening with the buying habits of your customers. Things are changing all the time. And I don't care if you're in law, if you're in software, if you're in retail, it doesn't matter. Everybody is facing change. So you need to have skills to innovate. Okay, And The Lean Startup is a fantastic book that gives you a system or pieces of a system to incorporate into your own organization to develop new products, new services, and new offers in a more intelligent, less risky fashion. And that's the key, less risk. Okay, It's about reducing the amount of risk and increasing the odds of being successful. I really, really love especially the first few golden nuggets here about the hypothesis, about the MVP, about developing the BML cycle, those pieces right there. And I'm telling you this from firsthand experiences. Those are the things that I have done all the time when I went with organizations in a variety of different industries to help them develop a new product, a new service, or a new offer. We put those things into place and we use them successfully. We went from an initial idea to a solid, a bulletproof business case in a matter of six to 12 weeks. Six to 12 weeks was all we had. And once that business case got approved, it was approved by our marketplace, by our customers, by the executive team. At that point, we pushed development. All before that, we just had you know ideas and we built it out. We went through our BML cycles, perfect. And then once we pushed development, we went through alpha, beta, first release. We did things step by step in an iterative fashion. I'm a huge fan of The Lean Startup and highly recommend that you share this with your colleagues, with everybody else, because this is truly game-changing. It really is. I can't stress that enough, you guys. Innovation is something that we all need to do, and I don't talk about innovation enough on this podcast. I really don't. Um, I got a good tip from uh, a few readers that said, you know what, you're going a little bit heavy on strategy, management, marketing, and sales, but I want to hear more about innovation, which is why I chose this book. Um, and I do have experience in this role, so I appreciate the feedback, and I hope that uh, you know for all you who made that recommendation, I hope you're listening to this podcast, and I hope you're happy with the analysis. Again, these were the core golden nuggets that I took out based on a lot of my experiences and what I feel are the most important things for you to keep in mind. All right, so that's a wrap. If you guys have any questions about the Lean Startup, if you have any comments, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, ryan.caligiuri at me.com. That's my direct email. You can hit me up on Twitter, LinkedIn, 
Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, I'm all over the place. Catch me. Just It's all at Ryan Caligiuri on all those. So just look me up and you'll find me. Very easy to find me. Just look for the picture of the bald guy with his dog, Roxy, on every single one of the pictures. And uh, I'm easy enough to find. All right, guys. Again, one more reminder. Don't forget to sign up for your weekly mind map. Go to cutthecrappodcast.com and hit the button on the front of the page there and sign up for your weekly mind map. And don't forget to show some love for our sponsor, Sierra Cell. I'm very appreciative of Sierra Cell coming on board, supporting the podcast. It means a lot to me. And because of their support, I'm able to continue to grow and expand on the podcast. So thank you so much to the team at Sierra Cell for believing in Cut the Crap Podcast and for coming aboard and uh, walking this journey with me. Very appreciative. And finally, before I head off here and I leave you guys here for the rest of the week, thank you to every single one of you for tuning in. Without you guys, this podcast is not possible thank you for all your feedback thank you for communicating with me and just thanks for giving a damn you guys i do this podcast for you it takes me 20 hours at least usually i'm down to a good rhythm it takes about 20 hours to put together this podcast so it means a lot to me that you guys are tuning in on a regular basis taking in the content learning from it making notes on it and hopefully hopefully applying it in your careers I do this for you guys, so uh, thank you so much for tuning in. You guys make this all worthwhile, and uh, I can't wait to continue this journey with you guys. I hope you have a fantastic week, you guys. I'll see you back here next week with a brand new business book and brand new Golden Nuggets. Have a great week, you guys. I love you. Take it easy. If you want to be great, not good, not also grand, not second, not third. If you want to be great, the very best at what you do, obsession is a necessity. Once you have that magnificent obsession, once you question impossible the two keys, then when somebody like that tells you you can't do something, you have chosen the wrong one to tell something like that to. I will show you, I will show you what I can do. I will show you, I will turn your, I can't, I will never, I won't, it's impossible. I will turn it around and I will show you that I can do anything.